All right. Good morning, you shiny, happy people. Don't you worry. You just keep on talking. Everything's going to be all right. Just keep on keeping on. There's still some people checking in, kids, and we love that, but we're going to get started with our worship this morning. Happy to have some fellas from uh, Centerpoint in Danville uh, here with us today. Glad to have them. We'll have another part, I think another part of your team next week, unless you guys will be driving back up here, but we're just thankful for them. We're thankful for uh, the opportunity to worship together. I'm looking forward to being with their church here in a few weeks. Um, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a deep breath in. And then take a deep breath out. And then I want you to think about things like frustration. I want you to think about things like pain. I want you to think about things like disgust. All right? When you breathe in, I want you to breathe in Jesus. All right? Just come on, Jesus. And then when you breathe out, I want you to breathe out that garbage. Just, it's gone. I'm breathing out hate. I'm breathing out anger. Sunshine, Jesus, love, joy, peace. I'm breathing out grossness, all right? You, you could, it actually works. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't believe in that mumbo jumbo. Ah, it works. It works. And sometimes we need a little visualization. It's a big word from the pulpit today. Visualization, all right? I'm going to pray for us and for some of y'all fuddy-duds who are not buying in, all right? And then these guys are going to just lead us to the throne. We're going to dig into the word, be in Acts today. And uh, I'm just excited about what God's going to do in our church, in our families, and in you. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the, the visitors you brought to us last week. Thank you for the visitors you have brought to see us this week. Thank you for the young lives and the um, not as young lives that have come up in the past couple weeks and said, hey, I want to be a part of your congregation or hey, I'm all in or hey, I want to be baptized. Hey, I want Jesus in my heart. God, that has been huge for this pastor, and it will be huge for our church family, and we are so thankful for it. Today, today, draw us close. Today, speak truth. Today, change our hearts, our minds, our souls. Pull us toward you. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? So aimless a life filled with sin I wouldn't let my dear Savior in And Jesus came like a stranger in the night Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more darkness, no more night Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside Praise the Lord Just like a blind man, I wandered along Worries and fears I claimed for my own Then like the blind man that God came back inside Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more darkness, no more night Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside I was a fool to wander and stray Straight is the gate and narrow the way Now I have traded the wrong for the right Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more darkness, no more night Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness.
sadness no more now. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. Darkness no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up; it's a new day dawning it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the evening comes bless the Lord oh my soul Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. You're rich in love and you slow to. I will keep on singing Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like never strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forevermore forevermore Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. Bless the Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. Yes, I worship Your holy name.
worship your holy Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon it My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished
There's not full out there, but I have not heard vocals like that in a, in a while. It's been several, several weeks. Did you catch the words? And listen, love choruses, love hymns, but did you catch the words? How deep the Father's love for us, that he might give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Not, not, not a treasure. And you need to hear that. He didn't give his only son to make a wretch a treasure. To make a wretch his treasure. You are his. You were born to be his. Well, Craig, there are people who aren't his. That's right. There are people who have walked out of what they were created to be. There are people who not, have not accepted where their souls were created to be. There are people who do not live in the life they were created to live for. Apart from him, you can do nothing. There are people who are existing, but without Jesus, you cannot live. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This morning's message is both challenging and difficult. It is uh, both eye-opening and uh, empowering, uh, especially for me. Um, I, I've never actually preached on the two words we're going to talk about today. So whatever it is, 32 years now of preaching the gospel, and I've never preached on this particular thing. Probably a fault, but I'm about to correct it, so, you know, there's that, right? So, let's read first. We are in a series um, that doesn't have a title, it doesn't have a name, it doesn't need one. We are in a series where we as a body are seeking out those things which Christ calls us to do and be as a church, okay? Do we want people who attend our church to, to believe that we have solid music? We do. Do we want people who attend our church to feel like their children are loved, provided for, and protected? We do. Do we want people who come in our church to be able to find a cup of Maxwell House if they need it? Yes, we do. Are we going to continue to pour our efforts and our time and our hearts into those things in a greater capacity than we are these things? We are not. Okay? We are not. So let us read a portion of space, a portion of Scripture where God's people have come together, all right? They have experienced experience the Holy Spirit in a way perhaps we never have or never will until that day. I hope that we will. I do. I, and I believe that we can. I do. I just don't know that we have. The Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles and the disciples and they saw and they felt and they experienced the affect and the effects of it, all right? And then they got together and they said, 
How in the world, literally, how in this world do we carry this out? Do we magnify and glorify the name of Jesus? And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, two weeks ago, we did the breaking of bread. We talked about the depth of the communion and how communion is a community union. It is a common union. It is the tie that binds remembering why and how we are all here. All right? And then we did prayer. Our connection to God and his connection to us, speaking into, being attached to, understanding, talking to the Lord, prayer, all right? And now, well, let's go on. Everyone was filled with all. Everyone was filled with all. Everyone was filled with all. Their minds were blown at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common, sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had a need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together, praising God and enjoying the favor and the Lord added to their number. When the things that we're talking about occur, when the things that we're talking about occur. And let me jump back to something that I actually wrote in, in the Healthy Church book. The whole introduction deals with why health, and then it deals with the I-we principle. I-we. And here's what you have to ask yourself. Are we a congregation of communion? Are we a congregation of prayer? Are we a congregation devo devoted to the apostles' teaching? Are we a congregation devoted to fellowship? But you have to also ask, am I? Joe, am I a prayer? All right? Danielle, am I, am I living in a spirit of communion? Thacker, am I devoted to the apostles' teachings? And it's not just one thing. It can't just be one thing. Well, Craig, it's hard to get one thing right. I know! I know! And God calls us to do many things. Well, that's difficult. Yes, it is. But that's what the verse means when it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I make fun of it all the time. One of the most misappropriated, misused verses in all the Bible. Golfers standing on the tee. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praying for that hole in one, right? Batters, I can do all things. Home runs coming, right? Now what it means. Doesn't mean you can jump higher. Doesn't mean you can swing harder. No, no, no. It means I have laid out for you an impossible task for a mere mortal but you are not merely immortal. This world is not your home. You've been bought with a price. Our citizenship is in heaven. We have our citizenship in another place. We are temporarily here and tapping into the power and the love and the compassion and the hope of Jesus Christ gives us the ability to do things beyond our capacity. And this is what happened to the disciples and this is what happened to the apostles. And when they did it without fear because they've been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Many people saw the signs and wonders. Why don't we see signs and wonders now? A, you're scared to death of them. B, you don't know Jesus well enough to pull them off. I'm preaching to the choir here too. Just let's, let's get real. Today. Today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? So I had to, I had to start off by asking myself, what, what, what in God's name is that? What exactly were they talking about when they talked about the apostles' teaching? Well, it was the t t teaching uh, of the apostles, well, no duck, Craig, we got that part. Can you help us out? 
I'm here for you. What does it mean to be devoted? Okay? When, you, when you're devoted to something, what does that mean? Zealous. Ardent in the attachment. I am, I am, I am totally bought in to the connection to whatever I'm devoted to. I am zealous about. It takes my time and my energy. I am loyal to. I am, I have a strong affection for. I'm dedicated, right? So are we zealous, loyal, bonded, uh, uh, have an affection for the teachings of the apostles? And what were, in fact, the teachings of the apostles? They were the way that people understood what we call today doctrine or theology, okay? They were what we call today doctrine or theology. And theology, a lot of people are like, well, isn't that a big, isn't that a big word? Isn't that something that only seminary people? No, it's not a big word at all. It means God and word. Are we devoted to the right, and a better word is righteous, teaching of the word of God? Okay? Is everyone in the room and is our church devoted to the right teaching of the word of God? Listen, it's in our church health stuff and it's in our first four, our, 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 our essentials, right? It's in the five non-negotiables. It's also in our family traits, in our things we do as a church, all right? So not only are we devoted to the scripture and we, well, we're not going to negotiate it, we try to stick to the word of God so that everything, I don't, I don't preach most of the time, I don't preach through books. I'll send you through books in small group, but I don't stand up here and preach a chapter of a book a week, all right? We're not, we're not standing up here talking about how good Mark Batterson's book is and me spending 14 weeks preaching through it. No, 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 no. Right here, from the scriptures. So are we devoted to and are you devoted to the study of and the learning of and the, the understanding of the word of God? And... And here's where this gets difficult for both you and me. You ready? For those of you who have chosen, right, NBC. And let's get into something a little deeper here. One of the reasons that we do covenant membership is because over the last 50 to 100 years, church membership, and there's a book about it, you can read about it, church membership has become way more like country club membership than it has become like Acts church membership, okay? You drop your, you drop your money in the plate and it earns you the right to sit in the pew, it earns you the right, it's your green fees, right? It earns you the right to eat in that particular restaurant or that particular fellowship hall. It earns you the right to vote at, at the board meetings when they're going to decide whether or not to move the ninth hole to the first hole and the first hole to the 15th hole and whether or not they're going to serve alcohol or not serve alcohol in their uh, 19th hole uh, 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 restaurant, right? Right? But we don't, we don't, we don't do that, Okay. We covenant together because God calls us together. Now, that's important. That's important. I don't believe that people should just show up here, like the preaching here, like the children's ministry here, and then just start coming here and sign a document here. I don't believe that. The reason I don't believe that is because I believe that God should call you here. And I believe that when God calls you here, he is calling you here because there's a part of the body that we need you to fulfill, right? If you're a pinky, we, we, need, we need it. If you're a spleen, if you're a stomach, if you're a head, if you're a heart, we need it. And we've explained this before. If you are here and don't do your part, the body is missing something. I believe that with service. I believe that with finances. I believe that with all the things that God calls us to do because we're all many members, one body, and we are called here. Now, if in fact every member of the congregation is called here, there was also another call that happened. And the question is, was that call real? In 2013, I got a phone call. And in that phone call from Mr. Randy Neal, I said, 
no way, Jose. And a month later, he called back and he said, we heard you're available. No, I'm a skeleton. I literally said something to this effect. I am a skeleton of the man you once knew. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a wisp of the guy that you remember. All right? I don't have it left in me. In fact, Jamie and I were talking about this just last night. Just last night. I've just, I've, it's, it's been difficult. That's, I'm not going to lie. It's just been hard to pick up some of the pieces since Preston left. He did a lot for us, all right? It was a big part of the body that's gone. And, and sometimes you got a leg trying to pick up a Coke can. That's hard to do. You need a hand, right? <laughs> all right, and it's been difficult. And we were talking about things, and I told her, there was a time in my life, right as the divorce was happening, that I, I said to myself, and I meant, I meant this. I wasn't hurt. I meant what I'm getting ready to tell you. I had 25, 24 good years of ministry behind me. Like a lot of people don't get 10, much less 20. I was 40 years old and I had had 25 years of good ministry behind me. I had preached to a quarter of a million people. I was good. And I said to myself, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. If I never, if I never preach again, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I, I accept that I may be a personal trainer or I may be a pampered chef consultant. Or I may be, you know, I didn't know it now, but if, if I quit now, I, I'm going to find myself a kitchen, right? I'm going to find myself a restaurant and a kitchen, or I'm going to build it, and I'm, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm called, you get that? Called to this. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. I told you this is hard on you and me. Two weeks later, they called again. And I said, and I'll tell you exactly what I said. All right, I'm going to come, but I want to see, you know, Steve Celine and Ashley King and Heather Goodwill and this list of people that I just wanted to see again that I hadn't seen in 20 years. That's why I came. I was going to preach a sermon and see those people and hopefully some of them would come. And they offered me a whopping amount of money. No, it was, it was a lot of money. And I said this, I said, if I can get a, if you can vote, call me and I can get a home in two weeks. That was August 1st. School started on August 15th. Tyler was a fifth grader. I wasn't doing it. I wasn't moving her in sixth grade. Do you see what I'm saying? She was going to be here at the start of school, but not in the middle of her fifth grade year. I bought that home on August 12th. We moved down here on August 14th. God, you ready? Called me here. What does that mean for you? It means I'm your apostle. That's what it means. And later on in the message, you're going to see some of the weight of that. Some of the, what, what Isaiah and Jeremiah called the burden. Because I may or may not be a solid communicator, but one of the things that I am good at is is making things that are hard to understand easier to understand. Making things that, 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 that seem way out there palatable for an 8-year-old, an 18-year-old, and an 88-year-old. That's, that's something that God has done. God has done. God has done in my life, in how He built me, in my soul and in my spirit. But for you, with all the apologies that I have in me, I'm your guy. It is my burden, it is the weight on me to clarify, magnify, and help you comprehend the scriptures. The question is, why? Why is the right and correct and spirit-led teaching of the scriptures important? There's a Scottish man named Dr. Bruce Milne. He wrote a little book called Know the Truth, okay? And in the introduction to that book, all right, in the introduction to that book, he says there are four reasons. He doesn't even expound on them. He just says, here's the four reasons that it's important. Almost like you should just take those and chew on them. You get what you want out of them. So I'm going to do that for us right now. Four reasons that understanding what 
theology and what God's Word and what His teachings mean and why they have to be right. They have to be right. It is, it is even, it, it is worse to teach them wrong than to not teach them at all. Let me say that again for the people in the back and the people in the front and the people in the middle. It is worse to teach them wrong than to not teach them at all. How do I know? These are the words of the amen, the faithful, true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, but because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Don't half butt it. And I had to think about that sentence because I would have said something that I shouldn't have said. (laughs) But don't half butt it, all right? Don't do it at all. Again, the burden. Reason number one, we should know the truth. Every Christian is a theologian. Think, every Christian is a theologian. Once you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you are a walking, talking example of who God is and what he did. And the, the, the definition that you draw out for everyone around you matters. Craig, what does it matter that my spouse and I are living together before we're married? What does it matter that I occasionally go across the line when I take in food or when I take in a beverage? What does it matter? It matters because you are saying, this is how God lives. This is how God acts. This is what God did or did not do in me. And you are translating it poorly. And that's hypocrisy at its finest. Well, Craig, I just didn't understand. That's what I'm here for. Well, Craig, I honestly don't want to hear it from you. That's not my problem. And I'll be, you want want real honesty from your preacher? We got a lot of that going on right now. That's just real honesty. We got a lot of, ah, you know, I know I'm doing it wrong, but I just, I honestly don't want to hear from you. Fine. I mean this with all the love in my heart. I'm not your pastor. I'm not your pastor. You, 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 I'm your preacher. I'm the guy that attends your church. But I'm, you have said, I'm not your pastor. Does that make sense? That's like me saying to, my, to, to, to Nugget, right? If I say to Nugget, Nugget, if you don't eat your hamburger, you do not get candy, Right? And then my daughter doesn't eat her hamburger and daddy doesn't give her candy. And she runs to one of you and says, daddy's so mean, he never gives me candy. Uh, that's not, no, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Daddy didn't withhold the candy. You chose not to eat the burger. Same thing. Same thing. It is no fun. It is no fun to be told you're living in sin. It is no fun to be told you're doing it wrong. She's not in here right now, so I can talk about her behind her back, but I would do it to her face. Mama called me. I told the elders this. I'm gonna tell you I'm not hiding. Mama called me up last week. She's doing the check-in thing. She's doing the how are you thing. And I, I, you know, mom likes to, mom likes to know what's going on. She likes to, you know, sometimes get into the church business with her son and some of that's just not her business, all right? This particular time though, she said, hey, she was asking me about a family and asking me about this. And then she said, do you think you might want to tone it down a bit? Mm-hmm. I said, tone it down. She said, you're, you know, you're, getting kind of, you're getting kind of over the top with, hey, my way or the highway. No, I've never said that. But it could be construed that way for sure. Hey, Guys, if you're not, if these things aren't important to you, find another church. I've said that. In fact, because, and give me a little credit, because of the series and sermon that we're in, I have said it, and, and it's true. It's deservedly so. I'm actually getting out in front of it. But when you say it like that, with the fervor that I have, with the force that I have, five times in eight weeks, sometimes people might feel a little... And I really wanted to argue with her. But I was wrong. And so I said, thank you, mommy. 
Okay, mommy. I heard her. I still, I still argue. I still argued with her. But she got through because Mama knows how. Mama knows how to get through. All right. There's only a couple people that can play me like a fiddle, and Mama's one of them. All right. Garner. We have to understand that it is. I, I know that I'm imperfect. I've said that, I said that up front too. Don't, don't join this church if you need a perfect pastor because I'm not him. But I, I am yours. I am your apostle. I'm the guy that is supposed to go from God to me and me to you as far as how our church body runs and how your lives run. Yes, your lives run. Well, I'm in charge of my life. Actually, you're not. You are a steward of the life God gave you. And it is my job to help you know how to steward it and steward your finances and steward your children and steward all the gifts that you have. Now you're starting to understand the burden. Number one, every Christian is a theologian. Oh, come on, read, read this. Suck this in, church. Getting doctrine right is the key to getting everything else right. If you understand him... You understand it all. Apart from him, nothing that has been made has been made. <sighs> Reading these things during the week this week blew my mind. It's why I'm having a ball because I'm learning too. Getting this right is the key to getting everything else right. People come in my office all the time. I don't understand why this is happening because God told you not to do it and you did it anyway. Yeah, but what do I do now? Go back and do it the way he said. I don't do that part when you're in my office. I coddle you a little bit and tell you it's okay. And then I'm kind of like Jesus with a woman who was not stoned. Remember that? Did nobody else condemn you? No one, sir. Well, I'm not going to condemn you either. But go and don't do it anymore. And that, that kind of the way it went. I, I, I could leave this up here and we could just, you know, sometimes you just want to suck the marrow out of something. Yeah, this. This is like spiritual asabuco. If you know what that is, I'm proud. All right. Studying Christian doctrine is an expression of loving God with your mind. Huh. And what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your... Study of the word of God is an expression of loving God with your mind. Come on. I, I, I told you somebody else wrote this. So I'm not taking credit for it, but come on. <sighs> doctrine, correct theology is vital because it is impossible finally to separate Christ from the truths which scripture reveals concerning him. This is why, come on, this is why when I say logos, the word, it has a mega double meaning that is beyond our comprehension. It does mean the word of God, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, da-da-da-da-da. It does mean that. But it also means in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word what? Was God. And that word did what in verse 14? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And who became flesh and dwelt among us? Jesus. So Jesus in his very nature, is the word of God. And separating them is not possible. So knowing scripture leads to knowing Jesus, leads to knowing God, which is all you need. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why? Because they could not get enough of God. And this was how they got him. Come on. You notice when we read the, the chapter in Acts and they all were gathered together and they devoted themselves to, and it was a long list, but did you notice what the first thing on the list was? The apostles' teaching. That's why I told you I hadn't preached on this before and that was probably a fail on my part. So here's what I'm gonna tell you, church. Use this as a as a mirror, as a test, as a guide, the single greatest or first 
evidence of the Spirit's presence is devotion to the teaching of the apostles. Do you crave the study, the learning, the hearing, the understanding, and the right teaching of the Word of God? The first, the first thing that shows up in your life when the Spirit gets hold of you is a hunger for God's Word. One of the problems with this world, and and don't get me wrong, gosh, don't get me wrong, but there was an experience that happened in Asbury, in Wilmore, not two or three months ago, right? God's presence showed up, right? There was a revival, an awakening, right? When was the last time anybody talked about it? So take a certain preacher, certain town, certain room, certain pew, certain what, what, what? We are experience-based. You ready for this? And our oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Our truth doesn't exist. Our truth is based on how we look, see, feel, experience. When your truth is based on how you look, see, feel, experience, then truth becomes muddled in Cassandra's experiences versus Amy's experiences versus Tamara's experiences versus my experiences. And then there are multiple truths. And guess what? That means there's no truth. Because truth by its very definition is a singular thing. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So if you want the truth, it is in the scriptures. Know the word, which is knowing Jesus, which is knowing God. Are you focusing on the truth or an experience that you want? It makes me feel like I want to feel. Be careful. You will find that those who've been truly filled with the Spirit of God are immediately concerned concerned in understanding the Word of God. It is always the case. It is always the case. Broken down to its essence, the principle is this. The Spirit of God leads the people of God to submit to the Word of God. Come on. Come on. I'm excited because this rocked my world. I knew it, but didn't know it. I knew it, but hadn't heard it, and we need to hear it again. The Spirit of God leads the people of God to submit to the Word of God. And they made it clear. You ready? This one's going to hurt you a little. This guy, this one hurt me. They made it clear that there were even good things that were secondary to the teaching of the apostles, the right theology of the word. Look in Acts chapter six. So 3,000 people have come to Jesus and a group of men are trying to figure out how to lead them. They're trying to figure out how to help them. They're trying to figure out how to contain them and not contain them at all, right? And so here's what happened. In those days, the number of disciples was increasing. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained that the Hebraic Jews, because uh, uh, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Hey guys, we're, we're making a mistake here. Um, um, we're doing all of these good things, but there's orphans and widows over here and, and we're passing right by them and we're, we're, we're not feeding them, so what are we going to do? So the 12, that's the apostles, disciples, all the disciples came together and said, ha, you'd think they would come together and say, well, let's get them some food. You'd think they'd come together and say, well, let's get them some clothes. They didn't. They came together, and I want you to read what the Bible says because it blew my mind in the context of this sermon. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait tables. That's rough. But, but, but don't, don't do that thing we've always talked about where I say I like your shirt and you say what's wrong with my shoes. That's not what's going on here. They're not saying the ministry to orphans and widows was bad. They're saying if we go out and begin to do, and these are, this is the chapter where deacons entered the world, right? 
This is the chapter where deacons came about. They went to people who weren't equipped with the same gifts and talents that God had called them for and said, you have a gift to serve. You don't have a gift to teach, you have a gift to serve. And they ordained those servants to go and feed the widows. A deacon is a servant, not a, not a committee member. Not a, 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 a head of the church, not a, not a pollster, none of the above. A deacon is the guy cleaning the toilets, the guy wiping the car seats, the guy feeding the orphans and feeding the widows, the woman, come on, who is serving diaconeo, man or woman, church servant and servant of the church to the world. But the wise counsel was, we can't, you ready for this? We can't stop teaching the right word of God because this is our connection to the Father and who he is in order to simply serve. What you have is a lot of churches that serve. You have a lot of churches that sing. You have a lot of churches that worship and all of those things are good. But if you don't go back to foundational scripture, it will all fail. It will all fail. Now, personally, I found this quote. It is no small thing to have the responsibility of standing regularly and consistently between a holy God and the people of God with the responsibility of declaring the doctrine. I have the capability of mishandling the truth. You mishandled the truth. Yeah, no. you're welcome. Week after week, it is my job, it is my call, it is my right, it is my privilege, it is my burden. Even the Bible uses the word oracle, which is super weird. It uses it more than once to talk about how you are speaking from God to others. It's weird. It's heavy. It's amazing. <laughs> scary. It's, 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 I can't, I can't even. It can take your very soul because if, if, if you are in the way, there's no room for, for, for God. So literally there is a clearing out that has to happen for it to be done well. People ask me all the time, do you remember when you said this? It's why I yell out sometimes when something comes out and I was like, oh, well, that's good. Somebody write that down because I'm not going to remember. Preston's always like, did you watch last week? No, I didn't watch last week. Do you watch you? It may take your very soul. It may take your life. It may crush your mind. This is from one of the greatest preachers of all time. It may burden your spirit, but it's no light thing to bring the word of God to bear upon the people of God in its heaviness, in its dynamite, in its compacting and compression. There is vast and beautiful explosion that can happen. Let me finish with this. There is no question and there is clear implication that the quality of and quantity of supernatural events that unfold for us in Acts reveal them to have a special feature of the apostolic age. Now people can debate about the age of miracles and so on, but we can say this with confidence. The quality and quantity of what was happening supernaturally was special and maybe unrepeatable that was somehow tied to those apostles. And the apostles were supernaturally endowed in a way that contemporary pastors or missionaries are not supernaturally endowed. Here's what that's trying to say. Something happened. I don't agree with the last sentence, by the way. And I'm not gonna tell you that up front, but I needed you to read it. Something happened in the Acts of the Apostles. Luke shared with us about the Pentecost and about the, okay? And what this man is saying is there were, in fact, miracles, signs, wonders, 
impossibly magnifiable people that came to know Jesus from every race, creed, color, or sex. And this didn't happen in a day. It didn't happen over a month. It continued to happen in a snowball that you can't even comprehend. And so what he's saying is, why doesn't it happen today? Well, we don't have what they had. We didn't experience what they experienced. Let me stop there and say, I agree that we don't have what they had back then, but that's not because of what they had is not accessible. There's where the problem lies. The Spirit of God is absolutely accessible to Chris, to Cassandra, to Dana, and to Steve. It is accessible to me. He can work through us, speak through us, and if we were to experience Him like they experienced Him, we would see signs, wonders, all numbers, all the things that they experienced. And once you experience it, there's a good test. How do you know, man? How do you, how do you pick somebody out of a crowd? My, my, my grandfather was the interim here for a while, back in 90, right around 1990, 91, 89, 90, 91. I preached here one Sunday. And then less than nine months after that was the end of my senior year in college. The pastor of this church met me and called me in Elizabethtown and said, hey, I was on the road 10 weeks, right? He calls me after meeting me at Cedarmore and says, hey, I'm on the road, but we've already voted. If you want to come be our youth ministers, 25,000 plus health insurance, let us know. Sorry, what? It was done. I just had to show up. And the pastor seriously made a joke that I had so much energy that the, you know, the electricity was going to go out. These chandeliers went out while I was giving my testimony. True story. Those two went out. I stood up and got in the pulpit and they blew. It's just a true story. It's, I, I don't know why, but you know, it wasn't me, but that did happen. And I, and, I, and I came here. When I came here, here's what my granddad said. He said, if you get in the fire, find Leo Wild. He said, if you get in the fire, find Leo Wild. I don't know if any of you even know the man's name, but he was a, a deacon and, and what we would call an elder. He was a man of God in this place. And when I asked granddaddy why, he said, because I've sat in the fire with him. And he, and he doesn't move. When he had to deal with some of the hardest people and the hardest times in the church, Leo Wilde was with him. And he said at every turn, that man could be yelled at, cursed at, screamed at, called names. And he never left and he never raised his voice and he never changed his expression, ever. The way someone copes with adversity is a better mark of their spirituality than any number of entertaining stories regarding signs and answers to prayer. Watch them in the storm doesn't mean they don't react. When thunder strikes, a lot of times we jump. That doesn't mean I'm afraid of storms. It means I was startled. There's a major difference in... You want to know if the Spirit of God is on you, how are you in the storm? You want to know how to act in the storm? Lean into the apostles' teaching. Find God in God. Find God in Christ. Find Christ in the Word. Find the Word in the Scriptures. This is the first request for the devoted believers. Be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Let's pray. God, I could just I could, I could just run back through some of those slides and just drink of the wisdom of the people who've gone before me. And probably we should, God, we should, we should understand the things that, that, were, that were said and that you taught us today. God, please continue to empty me, not empty me of strength and not empty me of courage, not empty me of life, but, but, but empty me so that there is no Craig in the way, that there is only God's spirit and, and an understanding of your word that is both devoted and disciplined and, and directed to the people on this corner of Maine and Chestnut, the church that you have called here at NBC on Maine. God, drive us to be students of the word, uh, creating us a thirst for knowing you and knowing of you. Build our souls, build our spirits. Let us, let us 
hammer and chisel at, at one another very painfully, but very excitedly and wonderfully. Help us to crave discipline in order to be more. Lord, make us to know your ways. Teach us your paths and lead us in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.